Very excited today because uh, we're going to be joined by one of my countrymen, a Canadian. That's right, we're back talking to more Canadians here as we gear up for the 2018 Pyeongchang Games. Winter Olympics is always exciting as it's something that uh, Canadians dominate in. But today we are here to talk to an athlete in one of Canada's greatest sports and I think most dominant sports, which is speed skating. Today our guest is none other than Charles Amlin, who is arguably, uh, for those who aren't familiar with him, one of Canada's greatest, not just speed skaters, but arguably one of our greatest competing winter athletes. Charles is a four-time Olympic medalist. Three of those medals he won have been gold medals. And if all goes well in nine months, that we'll be watching Charles make his fourth and, as we talk about in this interview, possibly his final Olympic performance in Pyeongchang. This was an exciting interview to do just because of uh, how big Charles Hamlin is here in Canada. Uh, and also just be able to talk to somebody you know in short track speed skating and go into some of the details as to the differences between short track long track and the surprising answer we get from him as to why he competes in short track as opposed to long track it's a lot simpler than you would think but Charles of course grew up in this sport and it was great hearing him talk about his family's involvement his entire family has been very involved in this sport uh, obviously his brother Francois is uh, on team Canada as well and hopefully we'll be competing this time next year with his brother in the Pyeongchang Games. Uh, we do get to go over with Charles all three of his Olympic appearances thus far from his debut medal-winning performance he had at the age of only 21 in Torino all the way through the big wins he had here on home soil in Canada. What, what was like to actually win a medal here in the 2012 Vancouver Olympics. And of course, his huge win in Sochi in 2014, which was in uh, a field that was so competitive. Um, as always, we also give Charles our I Am Canadian questionnaire on the end, uh, which always provides some good entertainment. And uh, on top of that, we even get to ask him about uh, a famous commercial that he filmed a couple of years ago with, uh, as I like to deem it, uh, a huge stunt performed and whether or not that was all done for real. So here in this special episode of Off the Podium, we talk to four-time Olympic medalist, three-time gold winner, Charles Hamlin. We are thrilled to be joined here on Off the Podium with another Canadian winter athlete, a Canadian winter legend uh, in the making, uh, current legend, whatever you want to call him. Uh, all I know is that with the success he's had, which is basically four 
Olympic medals, three of them being gold. The name of the show here needs to be changed from off the podium to on the podium for at least the next uh, episode here. Uh, we're talking to Charles Hamlin, uh, Canadian short track speed skating legend, as I said. Thanks so much for joining us, Charles. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I guess just want to start out, uh, as we do with most of the athletes here, just finding out like how you got into the sport. You know, um, I, I guess when you, you're, you're a kid or whatever, you learn to skate, it's not like you immediately jump into speed skating. So uh, at what age did you, you know, first lace up skates? And then how did that transition it into actually getting competitive into speed skating? Actually, the, the first time I laced a skate to to go on ice, I think it was, uh, I was really young, I think it was around like four or five, but it wasn't into uh, an environment of like speed skating. Uh, and my brother, my little brother Francois, uh, started um, the competition, the, the speed skating one year before me, so I was able to watch him uh, skate and uh, do practice, and I was able to try um, a little bit the speed skating uh, uh, during during Christmas or Halloween where there was a family event uh, on the ice. So I really like the the feel of the of the group and uh, the feel of the the long blades. So I decided to join him the year after. And uh, when I joined Frank, uh, my uh, my other uh, our, our our younger brother Mathieu started also. Our father started to coach. And uh, our mother were, uh, was uh, the lift to go over the rink and come back home. So uh, everyone was part uh, of the sport and we, we fall in love uh, with it. And since then, uh, we've been short trackers uh, all year long. It's crazy. You know, I think people listening to the show who maybe aren't from Canada don't even realize like how big your entire family is into the sport as you mentioned uh, i mean i can't imagine are, are there competitions you know during the off season like do, you and your brother did you get competitive growing up uh, you know pushing each other or, i'm gonna beat your time uh, you know i'm gonna uh beat you in this event uh actually all our summers uh when we were young we, we were always finding a like um anything to race anything to try to have competition because we were we were uh, really good at sport, uh, any sport, and uh, it always ended out like being like who's the fastest, who's the strongest, mm-hmm. who's the the, the high, can judge the highest, uh, are all those things, and um, we always always been uh, competitive, even if it's uh, normal things for uh, people uh, in uh, in normal lives. Yeah, that's a brother thing. So I can't imagine what it's like if you're not only, uh, you know, brothers in the same sport, but growing up, like you said, he's your younger brother and you followed him into the sport. What it must have been like growing up. Has any of that uh, carried through now as adults, you know, both competing at Olympic stage? Yes, of, of course. Uh, Frank and I um, really, really uh, we skated all our lives together. Uh, maybe there was one or two years that he, we were uh, apart because I was on the national team and he was still uh, too young to be uh, to be there. But uh, we mostly skated all our uh, all our years uh, together, and um, he, I learned a lot from him, and he learned a lot from me. We had some um, some weakness, and we have some some uh, strength, and we we learned from that from each other's. And I think uh, doing it not alone uh, it's something that really helped us to uh, to reach the point that we are at right now uh, I want to qualify for my fourth Olympic so it's something uh, 
really big for me and uh without my brother i would uh, i would have been uh, been here today so the other thing that interests me is when you have speed skating you know there's the short track and the long track you know when you first get into this uh, at what point do you decide on that or uh is it was it something that you just like you said with your family and everything you grew up just always wanted to be in the short track or is it typical for skaters to kind of go back and forth and then eventually just decide on one uh, the thing is in Quebec, uh, there's not a lot of long track. There's only one rink in Quebec City, and it's like three hours from Montreal. So, mm. like when you start speed skating in Montreal or around Montreal, the area, uh, or even if you're uh, further north uh, in Quebec, there's not really a easy way to try and skate in long track. So when you start as a kid, you always start start in, in short track. Oh yeah. And back in the days. Um, like long track for me was not something I find it fu- find it fun because uh, I really like the the way like the short track is you're you're on the ice against um, four five six guys uh, around you and you make you make your way through the race and finish one or two uh, to pass the next round and uh, it really get, get in, into me and long track I never had any. Uh, thinking about like switching to go a long track or just try a long track. I never, I did maybe one competition when I was younger in long track. I didn't really love it because mm-hmm. it was outside and it was really really cold. I <laughs> put like three or four skin suit one over the other, so it was not a really uh, nice experience. <laughs> uh- the other thing that interests me is the distances. You know, I think it's very similar with uh, you know in the summer Olympic swimming, where unlike a lot of other sports where you know you just enter your sport and you're competitive in that there's a lot of changes with distances and everything like that and you know sometimes with relays like people being subbed in at the last minute so for you i mean you've competed in like the 3000 meter 5000 meter you know 1000 meter and all this uh how do you decide on your distances or is it something that like the that team canada will eventually say okay well you're our strongest one here so let's put you in the 1500 meter in short track we in in our selection um, that are in August uh, this summer, um, we qualify per distance. So uh, the winner of each distance, we they are already qualified. Like if you win a distance, you will be in in the uh, in the Olympic team mm-hmm. selected to be part of the Olympic team. And after that, it's the overall qualification. And we are doing three times each distance. So we're doing nine distance. Uh, individually so it's accumulate points for every distance and after it, there's a, a overall ranking and we take five guys out of this and from those five guys if there's three dif- different winner uh, of the three distance uh, there's only three spot taking for for the Olympics so there's only two spots that usually are uh, discretionary mm-hmm. so uh, with like the result that people had uh, during the competition, uh, the two best uh, from uh, from the result, of course, and what the coaches and high performance uh, committee uh, saw on the ice, uh, they would choose the best to uh, to to complete the team, and after that, uh, they will choose the best three to go in the fifteen, the best three to go mm. in the thousand, the best three in the five, and. Uh, of course, the the the, the four guys that have the best uh, have the best chemistry to uh, to raise a relay against the, the the world. Do you have a favorite distance, like just as your own preference? 
Uh, the one I prefer is the thousand meter because it's a it's a mix of like uh, the 500 meter and the 1500. So there's a lot of speed, but with some uh, strategy and like uh, you need to um, um, take care of not using too much energy too soon in the race. So you need to to make sure that the you're uh, you're at your best and you can race up to up to the end. So it's something uh, that I'm really really good at, and it's a distance that I love to race. Mm-hmm. Now going back to like you said, you're getting ready for your fourth Olympics. Going back to the first one in Torino, um, what was that like just to, as an athlete to reach? the Olympic level, you know, I, I, this is what I always find interesting because I think most people, when they get into a sport, they're not immediately thinking I'm going to be in the Olympics. You know, uh, was that a goal maybe you did have where you're like one day I'm going to reach the Olympics or is this something where, you know, you slowly got better and better, you know, developing from juniors on and everything. And then well, it's like, wow, I'm in my first Olympics. Like, how did that happen? Uh, it, it happened kind of um, uh, gradually for me uh, and but there was one one season, the season that I had 16 years old. Uh, back in the days, it was the my coach was my dad, and um, I, I was I was training in in, uh, in my club uh, in Saint Julie, and I did qualify for the first time into the World Junior Championships um, with all the guys. I was I think I was 17 years old at that time, and um, for me, going there was kind of the the first glimpse of maybe I could. I could make the Olympics one day, uh, and my dad and I uh, had that dream uh, to make myself uh, uh, good enough to qualify for the Olympics. And our goal was uh, Vancouver in 2010, but soon enough we realized that Torino could be achievable mm-hmm. for for me. So we put all our energy into uh, into that and. Um, the dream that I had when I was young to to once maybe uh, be able to make the Olympics um, got reality in the summer of 2005 uh, in Chicoutimi in Quebec when I did qualify myself finishing uh, fifth overall uh, of the Olympic team and make my way through the um, the Olympic team with uh, with all the boys and. I know you were in the relay in Torino. Um, how many other events did you compete in for your first Olympics? I did the th- the fifteen thousand uh, meter, mm-hmm. uh, finished finishing fourth in the final. So just uh, the uh, the base of the podium. So uh, it was a really good race. It was, I was uh, I was the youngest of the team, so uh, got the experience there. And the relay, we finished second uh, with all the boys. Mm-hmm. Do you like doing relays or is relay? Because when I watch relays, I just think about how I feel like I'm stressed out watching it. You know how quickly uh, everything, like the uh, when you move from the one skater to the next. Like, uh, is it a different pace for something like that? And you have to be more on your guard. Uh, you always have to be on your guard because uh, there's people everywhere on the track, inside the track, outside the track. So you need to be aware of every, where everyone is. And usually when um, when you enter a race, you, there's always a pattern of like all the skaters where they are going and um, where to be uh, to to protect your skater because you need to watch one when you when you're inside. If, if there's a fall, you need to go get the, the recovery for uh, not losing too much time on the other teams. So it, there's a lot of specification into the relay. So it's it's really complicated, but 
we are doing it so much, then it's kind of a habit for us. It's, we are going on the ice and we know where to, where to go, where to skate and where to be to be at the right place at the right moment. It just looks like second nature when you guys do it. I can't even fathom training for something like that. Um, I, I can't even really skate that well, so I guess that's another problem I have. Um, with Torino, though, you know, winning that first medal, uh, was that an event where you thought going into it, we have a chance at this one, or did that kind of catch you off guard? Did you have more expectations for your individual event? Uh, I think we were kind of... We wanted to have a medal, and we were going for the gold. I think uh, it was it, it was uh, achievable for us uh, at that time. Uh, I remember the team was really strong, and uh, we could have a shot uh, to win the gold. The race didn't really went as we planned. Um, getting um, getting passed by the Korean, I think uh, they finished first, and we are we were second. And um, it was a really good race. I think the, all the boys did a really good job. But uh, for me, it was my first medal, and it was at that moment it was the greatest thing in my life that uh, was happening. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, by the time you flash forward four years and you get to Vancouver, I can't imagine you know doing your first Olympics and then four years later you're on your home soil. Uh, the thing that interests me is like how much when I look back, not just on the Winter Olympics, but even some of the Summer Olympics uh, leading up to Vancouver. I mean, there was this very long and steady push that uh, the country had in getting behind and the whole own the podium thing and everything. Uh, what were some of the differences you noticed maybe behind the scenes? Because it seemed like, at least for Canadians, you know, even if you look at like the uh, amount of medals we win overall, you know, it seems like a small increase. But to go all the way to like 14 gold for the country, uh, you know, just four years later after we had half of that, I mean, were there certain things that changed behind the scenes? Uh, I think for for the for all Canadian, I think not only in short track but in Canadian sport in general, uh, I think all sport wanted to go f- uh, from Torino to 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 Vancouver with um, with like having more chance to win medals and being like the best the best of the world in every sport. Make sure that we have a shot to win medals uh, everywhere. So. I think there was a lot of energy and and money put into us uh, going through Vancouver, um, even like just to have more training camps, uh, be uh, having more uh, safety uh, when we were we were training our facility in Montreal. Um, we went from a rink for hockey to a rink for speed skating, mm-hmm. so we don't have any hockey boards uh, in in our hockey room uh, in our hockey rink. There's only boards, uh, only mats all around the rink, uh, strapped with um, with with straps. And uh, so when we when we fall, uh, there's no impact uh, with the board. So the the mats move with us. So it's it's way more safer, and we can push ourselves uh, further into uh, into the, the 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 training. So it really helps us to. To make sure that everything we had um, to go through uh, to those training leading to Vancouver was uh, uh, the perfection in everything in every in every situation, and for us it was a it was a big improvement. And I think the sport in general in Canada took a really huge step um, with the Olympics in Vancouver. 
Yeah, and I know growing up, you know, even during like the the even like long before Vancouver, the, the '90s, speed skating just seemed to be something that was big for Canada. And it feels to me like every time I watch the Olympics, it's just Canada and Korea over and over again. But then, like you said, in Vancouver, it just got so much bigger. I mean, one of the biggest things that happened was with the, you know, the the two medals you won and how close they were together, which it was on the same day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on the same day. It was, uh, there was uh, 35 minutes in between the two uh, medals. <laughs> how do you even recover within 35 minutes? Like, <laughs> how do you catch your breath? <laughs> Uh, actually, I, did, I don't remember uh, catching my breath in between those two medals <laughs> because uh, uh, the excitement of winning the first was so big. Getting to the room, having the the all the the team in in the room like cheering for cheering for me um, was so overwhelming. And on my on my home soil in Vancouver with my family, my friends in the stand, it was so amazing. Then I think it was just like the um, uh, I got lifted by by the 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 events. Like I think, get, leading us to the um, to the relay, all the four boys, mm-hmm. we got in a room together with the coach, get focus, refocus again, and I think just by uh, by having uh, already a medal uh, around my neck uh, before the relay, uh, put my confidence really high, and we we had no doubt that there was only one option in that race and it was to win the gold medal again and uh, we just did it with a with a perfect relay now is that a normal thing to have events that close together you know we watch it we see it sometimes in the olympics you know even with swimmers but it always seems to be like two hours apart or maybe that's just the the time difference for when cbc is airing it or whatever but is this something that's normal even on a world cup circuit to just go from one race right into the next uh yeah uh, if you take the the, the normal uh, schedule into uh, a World Cup, I would say more World Championships. Uh, World Championships it's always two distance per day, so uh, we are doing the 15 and the, the 500 on the same day on the Saturday. So uh, you finish the final of the 15 and you go up right away into the five. So if you're the if you are in the final. You can be in the first race of the five, maybe like 20 minutes after. Mm-hmm. So you need to refocus. If you have a, if you if you had a good um, good 15, you need to refocus on your on yourself and make sure that you're ready to race again in the five in the 500 meters. So we are we are kind of used to it, but being at the Olympics, it's a, it's a, it is something like that is much much more uh, uh, much more big uh, bigger scale and uh, the excitement is more. It's bigger. Did you find that was uh, like an advantage? I mean, or I guess you've probably had it happen both ways. You know, you won a gold there, and then you go back and you win another gold. Maybe it's the adrenaline that gets you there. Do you have other uh, like world championships or something like that where maybe one race you just don't have the success you wanted, and then you go into the next one? Like, does that affect you negatively, or do you just are you really good at blocking it out? Uh, I, I think by the years uh, I found a way to to try to. To take the positive of every situation, situation um, from a really good result, um, taking the the feeling of what you just did and put it back on a new distance or a new uh, new race. Uh, I try to do that like uh, the the most I can. And if there is a disappointment of of a result in in the first race, I just try to 
take the um, the frustration and make and try to change it into energy to uh, going stronger in an existence to make sure that uh, I'm achieving the goal that I put in myself into that distance. Mm -hmm. um, how conscious are you of the time when you're going through this, or is it more about racing against you know the person next to you? Uh, in short track, the time doesn't doesn't really really matter. I think the the basic of the sport is uh, if you are in a qualification race, it's finishing first or second to move on, and when you get to the final, it's the first, second, and third that will have the medal. So if you if we do our world a world record uh, into the race, um, yes, of course, it's is giving you proud into what you just did. But it doesn't give you more than having a medal if you want a medal with a, a time like 10 seconds slower than the world record. So it's not it's not really a big thing into a into a short track to to have the best time. I know you've set uh, an Olympic record. Uh, which Olympics was it? Where you, and which distance were you set an Olympic record? Uh, it was in Vancouver. It was the 500 meter. Right. So that's just something where it's like, all right, added bonus. You know, you probably don't even realize it until afterwards. Yeah, I did. I, did, I didn't know. Like after the race, I didn't know what was my time. I just, I just knew that I, I had won the race and I was moving up to the final. And when I saw the time, I was like, oh well, it, it's the, um, the Olympic record. So <laughs> I was, I was kind of happy of that, of course. But I was mo mostly happy of myself going into the final mm -hmm. to have the possibility to win a medal. Yeah. Uh, what is it like? Because, like I said earlier. It feels to me, at least as a viewer, that it's Canada and it's Korea. And, you know, what we saw in Sochi with the long track speed skating, it really turned into, like, the Netherlands. It, it almost feels like it's uh, more just, like, countries versus countries. So is there a lot of attention spent on the other countries you're competing against and knowing, okay, well, who's going to go up here? Because uh, I would think that, like, the eye is always on Korea when it comes to short track speed skating. Uh, yeah, and, at, and the, 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 the next Olympic are in Korea, mm -hmm. so it will be kind of really exciting uh, for that. But the sport really evolu uh, is evolving uh, really strong in the last uh, four or five years. I think from uh, one year before uh, the Sochi's Olympic, uh, there were some countries that were not um, contender into medals uh, for World Cups, World Championships, or Olympics that are coming along with the really good results. Uh, talking about uh, Netherlands mm -hmm. in short track, uh, Hungary in short track, um, Russia. Um, those are the three countries that, I, that pop up in my mind right now because are, they have really good results uh, in every distance and in the relay. Uh, you can't count them uh, uh, out of the podium in every distance, so there's a lot, lot, lot more um, countries that can um, have a goal of medal uh, more than the three countries that were there from almost the beginning: the Canada, China, and Korea that were racing uh, against all the time. We can have at least six or seven, uh, three or four countries uh, into that that uh, that ballpark and. It make a big group of like seven or eight countries that can um, can really battle for a for for a strong result into a competition. Mm -hmm. 
what was it like, you know, if you, when you're in Sochi, if you talk about like home territory, I mean, I, Victor on, obviously he's not uh, originally from Russia, but competing there against him, like, was there a, a big crowd reaction or was that something where you found like, if you're going up against the Russians in Russia, that, uh, you know, uh, it was maybe harder to compete with the crowd uh, so heavily on their side. Is that something where you, you look at competing as Russia and Sochi and you think, okay, well, this is maybe what it's going to be like next year in Pyeongchang? Uh, yeah, because like going into another country and when you are one of the contender in medals uh, in a distance, uh, of course, like they always have their favorites. Like when we were in Sochi, the Russian were favorites because we were in Russia and you always uh, be a little bit like the bad guy if you if you win a medal or if you win a distance when there was a good chance of the other countries the home countries to uh, to have it. So it but in in the same time it kind of make it for us uh, like a, I found it more um, uh, enjoyable mm -hmm. uh, for me winning in, in Russia and hearing the national anthem of Canada in Russia when I won the 1500 meter uh, in Sochi it was kind of it was a really 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 fun feeling and just winning a, a medal overseas um, it was fun to uh, to have them in Vancouver but in Sochi it was like I I beat um, Russia in, <laughs> on home soil because I knew he was a, a Victorian was was a contender of winning the gold because he was really strong on that distance and I did win uh, win that uh, was not able to um, to race against uh, against him in the final in the next two distance because I had some uh, some bad luck uh, falls and after falls mm -hmm. but uh, the 1500 meter was a uh, was a great one so I'm guessing at this point it's safe to say you know you are uh, going to be competing in 2018 uh, we need to qualify in August, so in a few months uh, we will have the Canadian selection for the Olympics. So I need to pass that uh, that selection first to make sure that I'm um, going to the Olympics. But uh, if you if you if you take the the training group we are uh, training in right now, um, and if if I'm competing at the level I'm I'm able to do. Uh, I should be able to, uh, to qualify myself for the Olympic uh, in Pyeongchang. Because I know you finished the like last season. You finished pretty well. Uh, was the season as a whole uh, what you expected? Uh, the season last season was not wasn't the best uh, I had in my career. I had some difficulties in the beginning of the season mm -hmm. with falls and uh, uh, disqualification and. Um, uh, it was an easy first part of the season, but I really came back in the second second and a half of the season with two gold and one bronze. So it's something that when you are you are into a good mood, uh, the confidence pops in and it makes kind of it's easier for you to um, to to get out to have more more good results. But when you are in a in a rhythm of like falls and when it's not going as as well. Uh, as you want. Sometimes mentally it's, it's difficult, and sometimes um, because it's it's not going as you want, mm -hmm. um, you get you you fall into the trap of like falling again, and uh, it's like you have a like a like a dark cloud over your head, and you cannot go through. And 
for me, uh, I'm I'm really happy to uh, to to be able to went through that and and come back stronger for the the second half of the season. And this summer, I'm just I just want to train uh, as hard as I can to uh, to make my way through the Olympic uh, team with uh, all the boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel the rest of Team Canada is at this point? Like aside from yourself, I know you said your brother. Obviously, you'll be rooting for him. But uh, it, the rest of the team, like, do you feel that we have a really strong team going into 2018? The yeah, uh, the the team is getting uh, lot uh, lot stronger from uh, from year to year, uh, season to season. Because uh, after the Vancouver Olympics, the team really changed a lot. Uh, a lot of young guys uh, start to come in uh, on the national team and. Uh, right now, uh, if you take the 15 boys that are training in in Montreal, um, 12 of them are under 25. So mm. it's something kind of special because um, in my career it was uh, it was always a, a mix like half and half or m- more than half uh, veteran or like people that are my age and um, the young guys. Some like when you get in the sport. If, mostly like during those years it's really difficult because there's a lot of country that are really good uh but young guys the kids are making great progress year after year two years ago uh it was a little bit more difficult last year it was a there was a lot of good result a lot of people that are uh, stepping on the podium and we are just uh, looking to be better this season uh with all the young guys so 2018 uh, do you feel you would want to go you know to 2022 or are you feeling like i'm going in just one last you know olympics just to to end on a high note or are there aspirations past that uh in terms of olympic 2018 would be my my last one uh i don't think i'm going to go for another four years after that Mm. uh i'm gonna leave the, the the team to uh to the young guys and make sure that uh, they are continuing our um, our uh, our domination in, into the, the the World Cup um, sport. Um, but um, I will still be there to try to help them and make sure that the Canadian team is uh, a strong one again and have uh, potential to win medals in any level World Cup. World Championships, Olympics, and make sure that the the guys are ready to uh, face the world. Now, this might seem like a bit of a dumb question, but like most of the athletes we've had on the show have won like one medal or maybe two medals. Uh, here you are, you have four medals, three of them being gold. I have to ask, where do you keep your medals? Do they get put out on display? Do you keep them like underneath your shirt where nobody could see? Because that's what I would be doing if I was an Olympic three-time medal gold medalist. But uh, do you have like a special place for these? Uh, I I have my um, Torino Olympics, the first medal I, I got, uh, hanging uh, on the wall uh, at my place, and uh, the the three gold are into a, a box um, in my living room uh, because I have to carry around uh, those medal uh, most of the time when I go for a conference or mm-hmm. an event and and things like that. So uh, always to have them close, and I don't want to be um, Having to uh, take and take and take them off the wall all the time uh, around my place, so I keep them in a box like safely um, 
and really to uh, to bring them out. And I guess kind of a nostalgic thing, you know, the first medal in some ways would always be the the most important, or or, or is that not the case? Do you do you feel like the Vancouver ones mean more to you, or is there kind of a special place for the Torino one? Uh, all medals have a special place uh, in my heart, but uh, I think the one um, that I that I am the most proud of is the fifteen hundred meter in Sochi, the last one I won, because oh. um, there was a lot of speculation of. Uh, around the uh, around Canada, like about like short track speed skater in in Canada, um, that we were all only good for 500 meters and maybe sometime 1,000 meter, but we were not a 15 1500 meter guys skaters, and I just wanted to train and make all my energy to to prove the world that even Canada can win the gold in the 1500 meter, and I just did it so. Uh, that get, that put a lot of proud into myself and my coach. So we we realize a big thing for uh, for Canada there. And not to mention the competition. Like that's that's one of those races that'll go down in history. You know, kind of like this past one. You look at uh, the uh, the the Rio Olympics. You know, you can run the lineup of like Usain Bolt, Justin Gatlin, Andre de Grasse. I mean, that was like the all star lineup of the Sochi Olympics. And I think people will look back on this one day and they're going to see Charles Hamlin's name right up against like Victor On, and that's just uh, you know the legendary matchup of 2014. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was a really good race, and I would say all the top guys were in that final. Mm-hmm. So for for me, just putting a little little bit more proud into uh, into, into what I did. One other uh, kind of silly question, I guess, before we move on to our final set of silly, even sillier questions, we'll say. Um, there's a commercial uh, that uh, it must have aired on TV, but I discovered it on YouTube at one point, and it was an Olympic commercial of you skating, dragging parachutes behind you. Now, I'm hoping that that was actually you and not a stunt person, that commercial. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, it was a sports check uh, yeah. commercial. Yeah, now tell me that that was done for real. I need to know that that was like, not special yeah. effects or something. It, it was me for real, dragging uh, with two, one, two, and three parachutes. Oh, and how fast can you actually go? Like, was it you know sped up for camera? I'm just hoping you're not shattering my illusions of you being like this superhero on the ice. <laughs> uh, actually, it was uh, it was just for the uh, for the the, the TV show uh, in short track because the rink is so small, we can't use the the parachute. Mm. I know that long track use them. Uh, when they skate, when they they are doing uh, things the start, but um, it was a, for me it was the first time that I was trying to skate with parachute and it's something uh, really special because you you don't think that you're gonna have uh, that the the parachute are going to drag you that much, but when I pop up the third parachute, um, actually I had someone. Uh, doing it before me just to 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 set up the, to set up the camera and see uh, um, how they will film the the shot. And when the guy popped the parachute, he he stopped skating and he fell on his ass. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I I I must like I, I was kind of a little bit scared, but I was like, okay, I must like go like the fastest I can and just make sure that I don't fall. Just don't fall. I put the third parachute and. <laughs> The bang that is that it's doing, it's it's so big. Then uh, it's like if 
someone pushed you from the front when you skate. Oh yeah. But I was able to hold on and 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 skate with the the parachute open. But uh, I remember it was a really fun feeling and it was a really great shoot. Uh, it was a great I have great um, great memories from that. I, I, it's just a Canadian thing. I mean, I, I think it was uh, Catherine Pendrill. She's um, uh, a cyclist who won bronze back in Rio. We had her on the show. I think we were talking about this campaign where the whole ice in our veins thing they had, where they had her like basically in regular cycling, you know, summer clothes, but out, you know, in the middle of a freezing winter. And this is just like, I think Canadians, we want to make sure that we're promoting ourselves to be above and beyond. It's like, not, not only can we survive the winter it's like we can survive the winter in summer clothes you know not only can we skate we can skate with a parachute drag behind us i'm just excited to see what will be the next campaign you know are they going to be dropping people from uh, airplanes on skates and stuff like that or on skis or something it's just i love canadian commercials i think they're hilarious <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they have great ideas and when when they ask us to uh, to do it it's always a pleasure and it makes a great a great tv We'll go into a final set of questions here. And again, just uh, to remind people listening, this all goes back to when we were covering the Rio Olympics, we found that the Team Canada website had questionnaires that they would have the athletes fill out. And it's done in handwriting and everything. Uh, so we're going to give you this. I don't think they're going to be doing this for 2018. I think they should. It would be great if they did. But we'll give you, uh, I guess, a sample of what the Rio athletes had here. So it's just going to be random questions here. Just give us quick fire answers. If there's one you can't think of, we'll just move on from there. So, uh, first one is asking you to draw a picture. We can't really communicate that on a podcast. Uh, second one, here's a real question. My favorite Olympic moment is? Uh, is the one when uh, we won the relay, uh, all the boys together in 2010 in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. At home soil, you can't top that. Uh, if I could choose any Olympic host city, it would be, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but let's hear it. It's Vancouver. I think the uh, the Olympic was... Uh, was so great out there and being part of the kind of the, the celebration around around the city because the city was just all red from Cadillac Close so mm -hmm. it was amazing and with family and friends out there it was the best. Uh, in my spare time I most like to game. Game? Like <laughs> do you have a specific game you like? Uh, I like to play World of Warcraft, Diablo 3, uh, I like to play Battlefield 1 um yeah that's pretty much the game that i i'm i'm playing right now i see you have you have like real hobbies in your spare time not things that are like here's a five minute thing this is what you spend <laughs> your entire weekend on world of warcraft <laughs> yeah it can it can be uh i try to not spend to, all my time because my girlfriend doesn't really like it but uh, <laughs> i try to put some time just because i'm just liking it, loving it and just past times uh mm -hmm. yeah uh my favorite workout is uh, the my favorite workout is biking. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I really like to go bike because uh, is in in our um, off training we go uh, bike, we go run, we go um, like in the gym, and that's mostly what we do. And when we go on bike, it's something that after my career, after short track, I want to continue just to bike, just to get in shape because mm -hmm. biking is so fun and a lot easier to do when there's no ice out obviously yeah it, it, it's a little bit easier on the legs yeah <laughs> uh if i could have lunch with any one person it would be it would be roger Federer. oh yeah he's my uh my idol for from all time and 
he's the greatest of the greatest, so uh, it would be him. I love that you mentioned somebody from another sport too. <laughs> Shows <laughs> you're you're a fan of more than just your own sport. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a fan of a lot of athletes. Uh, my favorite sandwich is. Uh, favorite sandwich is uh, I would say turkey. Yeah. If I could have any superpower, it would be. Uh, like Flash McQueen to be really quick. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think you already have it, even with a parachute behind you. <laughs> uh, the best candy in the world is uh, bubble gum. Uh, as a kid, my favorite sports team was uh, 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 Quebec Nordic. Oh, see, I'm so happy you said that because I was assuming Montreal Canadiens, but. I mean, growing up, I, I love the, the Canadians, but like the Nordiques, uh, one of the reasons I just became such a big uh, Avalanche fan was because I'm just holding on to the Nordiques, one of the great teams. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am born in Quebec City, and uh, uh, the cousin of my mother was playing for the Nordic. Uh, oh, really? So it was uh, Michel Goulet, so uh, I'm a really big fan uh, of the Nordic when I was young. It must have been sad when they left, too. Do you hold like a yeah. grudge against Colorado now for that reason? Yeah, yeah, I cheer for Colorado when they move, when uh, the Nordic move, and they won the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. Stanley Cup the year after. I was like, they, yeah. should, they should have stayed one year more. I know. <laughs> and Quebec had such a great season the year, like their final year in Quebec City. It was just sad to see what happened the next year. I'm from Winnipeg, and the same thing happened here. Like Winnipeg moved to Phoenix, and everybody cheered for him. And now that we have the Jets back, you know, it's like, all right, forget Phoenix. But Quebec's Quebec City's next. I mean, you guys are due to get a new team again. Oh yeah, where do you? Uh, as a kid, my favorite. Oh, that one was sports team. We already covered that one. Uh, my favorite sports movie is. Uh, sports movie. I would say. Um. I don't remember what the name is. It was the the bobsled with the team of uh, Jamaica. Jamaica, yeah, Cool Running. Uh, cool Running, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, the. I, I had to watch it at least once, uh, once a week or once a once a week. Oh yeah, it was a, a great movie. Me too. Uh, you should. <laughs> when I was young. Yeah, you, you should uh, go back and listen. Uh, I think it was only about a week or two ago we had an interview with uh, one of the original Jamaican bobsledders from uh, the Jamaican team of '88. Go back and listen to that if you get a chance. Yeah. Uh, and finally, last one. If I could live anywhere in the world, it would be. Um, I have to say Hawaii. Uh, I've been there three times already with my girlfriend and one once with my dad. Mm. Uh, and we want to go back next next uh, next summer uh, with the family. So uh, it's uh, some places like that. It's so peaceful. It's so it's just great. And I would feel great out there. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a nice like uh, uh, retirement plan post three more gold medals or whatever you end up with <laughs> from 2018 Pyeongchang. Yeah, it would be a great idea. <laughs> well, seriously, it was great having you on the show today, Charles. Um, uh, I think you are one of the biggest Canadian winter athletes and definitely going to 2018 knowing this is going to be your final games. Uh, I think the whole country is just going to be excited to watch every event you're competing in. And it was great having you on the show today. It was a pleasure to be here. And we cannot thank Charles enough for appearing on the show here today and giving us such a great chat. And uh, if you have been listening to us lately, you realize we've 
uh, had mostly Australian athletes on, so it was great to get back and have another Canadian interview here, which we hope to have more of in the next few weeks. Uh, as Ben's going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus, but you can still go back and listen to some of the older interviews. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on that as they've been coming pretty quickly, at least once or twice a week over the last few weeks. We do have another guest lined up later this week. Ben's going to be talking to uh, cross-country skier Callum Watson. That should be up probably within a day or two. As well, go back and listen. As I said, we've had a lot of these interviews coming very quickly. If you heard our 50th episode, the best of Off the Podium uh, episode that we had, you probably heard the clip of us talking about uh, Chumpy Poolin and uh, me repeatedly getting his name wrong. So uh, Ben did have a really great interview with him recently, uh, as well as Paralympian Joni Badenhorst was on. And the, the big one, which I mentioned in this interview that we had with Charles, was Devin Harris from the 1988 Jamaican bobsled team. And whether you follow the Olympics or not, you're, you're familiar with Cool Runnings, you're familiar with the Jamaican bobsled team, and it's a really fascinating interview to hear the real story, as most of the athletes we're talking to are ones who are still actively competing or maybe retired in the last few years. And this is somebody we're going back 30 years as of next year. The episode is one of the more recent ones in here. You can find it in the archives. It's fantastic to listen. Do continue to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. I believe we're on there. As we're now only nine months away from the 2018 games, we're going to continue bringing more interviews with more athletes that we hope to see this time next year. And thank you to everybody for listening and subscribing. And stay tuned for more Off the Podium later this week. Whoop, 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 whoop